o'clock with Craig and John. Busy day here on Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com. The Sioux Falls Stampede have a new head coach. We'll tell you more about him in about 10 minutes. And the managing partner of the Stampede, Brian Schoenberg, joins us in one hour. Big day for the herd, replacing retired coach Scott Owens. And Mike Heineman, president of the Skyforce, joins us in about 20 minutes. We'll take a stroll down memory lane with one of the biggest snakes in the history of sports, Isaiah Thomas, who is walking back his remarks about the Bush League Pistons not shaking hands with the Bulls in the 91 Eastern Finals, a major part of that second night Bulls documentary. And uh, let's start with this, though. The Packers are on the decline. Uh, I've stated both on Friday after the first round of the drafts and then yesterday to start the show after the draft was complete and the Packers made more seemingly boneheaded moves, didn't draft a single receiver to help out Aaron Rodgers in the twilight of his career. We know they've already drafted his eventual heir apparent, we think, and his backup, Jordan Love. And that is a reason why a lot of people think the Packers are on the decline. And I agree. I think the Vikings are the NFC North favorites basically by default. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you more good reasons to believe that in a moment. Uh, and I'd love to hear from both Vikings and Packers fans. But, Craig, uh, you continue to contend that, nope, the Packers are the team to beat in the NFC North, despite the fact that everybody's graded the Vikings draft as an A, maybe the best in the NFL. And why is that? Well, just because they got an A doesn't mean they're going to be the best team out there. They drafted who they needed, and now it's up to those players to produce. If they produce, they'll be competitive. But if they don't, uh, they are not going to be at the top of the division. I still give the Packers the nod because of what the Packers had with Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. They got a good running back. Uh, I, I'm going to still give them the nod until somebody like the Vikings knock them off. He's Craig Maddock. I'm John Gaskins, by the way, here on Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, and KWSN.com. And so here are some things, and Colin Cowherd made some of these points early in his show today, and he's not besieging and destroying the Packers for drafting Good old Jordan Love. I mean, if the Packers are in love with him the way Andy Reid and the Chiefs were in love with Patrick Mahomes and drafted up to get him, fine. And Patrick uh, Mahomes was a guy that even me as a Chiefs fan, I went, the only reason why I like this pick is because I trust Andy Reid. You know, he, he he had won a few conference titles in Philly. He had instantly improved the Chiefs. They were kind of hitting the wall when they went up against the Patriots every year in the playoffs with Alex Smith. And and perhaps that is all Alex Smith could do. And so I trusted Andy Reid. If you're a Packer fan, are you trusting Matt LaFleur? I mean, who has about, I don't know, 17 less years of head coaching experience and quarterback whispering as a head coach and play calling that Andy Reid, Andy Reid had when they just leapt up to the top 10 to draft Patrick Mahomes? I would think you don't. LaFleur has one year as an offensive uh, coordinator in Tennessee before he got to Green Bay. The Titans got better offensively last year after LaFleur left, and the Packers got worse offensively last year with LaFleur having this be his offense. And he, again, only has one year as a head coach. But he went 13-3 and last year, right? He made the NFC title game, right? And 
It's interesting, Craig, because Vegas has the Packers. You know, name the website, but it's it's generally a nine-win team this year. I'll ask you, and again, the, the Vikings and Packers have similar schedules because they were uh, one, two in the division last year. But tell me the notable wins for the Green Bay Packers last year that made them feel like a 13-3 and team on the rise and <laughs> NFC North favorites this year. That's a, that's a great question. Uh, can you put the Vikings on one of those? Uh, uh, I, it, it depends. And actually, this is what... both made the playoffs. Yes. This is what Colin Coward pointed out. The only playoff team the Packers beat last year with their starting quarterback actually in the game when the Packers played them was the Minnesota Vikings twice. Early in the year at Lambeau. And then late in the year, Monday Night Football in Minneapolis. But remember, who did the Vikings not have that night? That was a big swing game for the division. It was Dalvin Cook. And even Alexander Madison, their backup running back. And the Vikings were clearly lost without those two guys all night long. And Aaron Rodgers played pretty well. But here are some other things that Coward pointed out today. That the Packers beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Without Patrick Mahomes. That's right. The Packers were 2-0 and against Detroit and never led in either of those games against the sad sack Lions. Walk-off field goals. Remember what happened in the Monday night game at Lambeau when they beat Detroit, Craig? How Green Bay won that game? No, I don't remember that one. That was the one that was supposedly given to them by the refs because uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was a late, I think it was a late penalty or non-penalty that helped set up the game-winning field goal. But anyway... Yeah, that happens for every game that the uh, <laughs> Packers are playing. Yeah, they, they get a Lambeau field. Uh, the, the Packers continuing on their fraudulent 13-3 and season last year. They beat the Seahawks in the playoffs at Lambeau. Awesome game. Um... Remember what happened to the Seahawks, a power running team, before that game? Do you remember that? Uh, no, I don't. They had to go out and get Marshawn Lynch out of retirement because their top three running backs. Yeah, all were hurt. We're all hurt. All were hurt, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, you put all that in a blender, and again, the Vikings, the only playoff team the Packers beat last year, and again, they did it twice, once without Dalvin Cook. And it just seems like that was a mirage, and it doesn't appear that the Packers are evaluating their own selves very well because they're drafting like they are a team that's already, hey, they made the NFC Championship game last year. Uh, by the way, they got crushed in that game. They were trailing 27 nothing at one point. They also got blown out by the Niners earlier against San Francisco off of a bye a bye. Andy Reid, known as one of the best coaches in NFL history, certainly modern NFL, modern NFL. And he's terrific off a bye. When you give him extra time to prepare for a game and a defense and get his quarterback ready, uh, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers off a bye just got destroyed in their regular season game in San Francisco. Okay, so now, and we'll get back to Craig in a moment here. I want to hear from you at 336-1230 if anybody's arguing with any of these points. You have an offense that didn't get Aaron Rodgers better receivers. You still have a suspect defense, a little bit better than it was the last couple of years under Dom Capers and McCarthy, but still there's a lot to be desired. And guess what? The Packers, for finishing first, they get a schedule not that different from the Vikings, but because it was a first-place schedule, listen to the Packers, who they have. Uh, on the road this year. Their home games at Lambeau are fairly favorable, and of course they get the Vikings, Bears, and Lions there. 
They also get the Jags and the Panthers. Those should be wins. Falcons, a win. Titans, maybe. They could go undefeated at Lambeau. Uh, or at least win six or seven. But you tell me the win in this bunch for the Green Bay Packers coming off their draft, knowing what they have. And I'll, I'll just ask you, Craig, their road games, the Green Bay Packers next year, they're going to Minnesota. How's that going to turn out? Uh, is it early in the season or late in the season? <laughs> Why does it matter? I, I get it. Gonna, it. It does matter. It, it does matter um, because uh, the Packers are going to try to change their offensive scheme this year, and they may struggle okay. with that early. They typically um, lose in Minnesota unless Dalvin Cook isn't in the game. Uh, Typically, they have split uh, throughout the years. Yeah, I'm just talking about the Minnesota game. Most most of the time, the home teams win the game. Right. Okay, so I I give the Vikings a win here. And, of course, when it happens and who's injured and not, that all matters. But uh, when they go to New Orleans, I don't expect the Packers to win that game. What do you think is going to happen when they go to San Francisco again? Uh, They're going to lose that one. How about when they go to Tampa and take on Tom Brady and Bruce Arians and uh, Um, a loaded offense? I don't know what the defense is like. That could be a very high-scoring game. Bucks defense, top five in the NFL the last six games in sacks and yards given up per play. One of the most improved defenses in the NFL. Could be a very high-scoring game. Yeah, I'll give the Packers a loss there. They go to Houston. Uh, who lost DeAndre Hopkins, but, you know, they I guess they gained David Johnson. They have Deshaun Watson. Bill O'Brien, not a genius. That feels like a coin flip game. And they have to go to the Colts, who have a good head coach, who's a good offensive mind in Frank Reich. And now they have Phillip Rivers, at quarterback. That's in Indy. 500 on the road. 500 on the road. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so the Packers could still win 10 and win this division. It's Aaron Rodgers and rolling out of bed. But I thought it was, uh, you know, you put it in the context of how they got the 13-3 and last year. Vegas claiming they're a nine-win team. And it feels like it will be a pillow fight for the NFC North title between the Vikings and the Packers, considering what the Vikings and the Packers have coming back and their schedules. And the Packers, uh, I, I thought the Vikings improved themselves more free agency plus draft than the Packers did. Um, and then, you know, Ben Lieber made an interesting point on our show yesterday. Uh, this was this was Ben Lieber, and you, Craig, asked Ben Lieber about you know, how not having rookie minicamps, likely, how not having OTAs, potentially, because of the pandemic, is you know, just not, these teams not spending time with each other, how, how it will affect them, especially the Vikings. Well, you know, if, if they didn't come up and say immediately after the first round that, hey, we we're trying to move up, you know, we, we talked to, to Coach Zimmer right afterwards, and he's like, yeah, you know, you know, Rick likes to wheel and deal, and it sounds like he was trying to get up in the first round. And once he said that, it made me feel a little bit better because I, I thought the approach should have been like, let's be aggressive. Uh, you know, I'd be happy if we came out with eight or nine picks in this draft. Oh, wait a second. Here's, the, uh, here's what I was looking for from Ben. Sorry. Yeah, it is. And I think that's the toughest part is now if if I if I step outside of my my Vikings world and and I said I'm going to fly to Las Vegas and I'm going to put down money on what I think is going to be an eventual Super Bowl champion. I'm going to look at veteran teams that have good quarterback play. And I think for 2020 given the fact that we're not going to have OTAs, we're not going to have an off season, these guys aren't going to develop in the in the few practices they have. I'm going to go with the the experienced teams are going to come out of the gate and perform the best. Makes a lot of sense, right? This is something that Cowherd bangs on a lot, which is you can you can assimilate, you can you know load up your rosters, 
quarterback is the most important position on the field. If you don't have one that gives you a chance to win a game, win a division, win a Super Bowl, then you just you just don't have a chance. You know, who cares what the rest of your roster looks like? And head coach matters in this league as well. And a lot of head coaches in this league are now offensive minds. But there are some that are defensive-minded that are proven and have won Super Bowls, like Mike Tomlin and Pete Carroll. Craig, when it comes to quarterback-head coach combo, think Packers with LaFleur and Rodgers, think Vikings with Zimmer and Cousins. I don't think either of those combos right now, where they, we sit right now, crack the top eight in the NFL, which would crack the divisional playoffs uh, this upcoming year, which is why, again, I think the, the NFC North is relatively weak and the Vikings and Packers in a pillow fight to win that league and get, get a playoff spot out of that league. I mean, is it well, fi- the Vikings were a top 10 offense last year, mm-hmm. and you look at their offense, okay, they're without Stephon Diggs. That's about it. Uh, will they drop out of the top 10 offense because of losing Stephon Diggs? I think they're going to be real close yeah. to that top 10 offensively. Uh, when you go to head coach and quarterback, if, if you weigh a lot on those two elements and how much it gives you a chance to win the Super Bowl coming into 2020, uh, I'll, I'll just ask you yes or no if you feel this combo is better suited. And again, in the prism of these teams have less time to work with each other. So it helps you to have a head coach and a quarterback who are both back and have plenty of experience working with the same offensive system together. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, uh, yes or no, they're better than the Vikings and Packers? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sean Payton, Drew Brees? Yes. Uh, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson? Yes. Yes. Uh, Mike Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo? No. Absolutely, right now. I mean, Shanahan's known as one of the best offensive play callers in the well, league. He included uh, Garoppolo. I, I did. Uh, well, that's, that's why I said no. At this point, I don't think he's that much worse than either Cousins or Rodgers. I think it's a coin flip, him and Cousins. Uh, but I mean, the Niners are a be- but you talk about rosters. The Niners are a better roster than both of these teams. Doug, Pe- Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz, both better than the Packers and Vikings? That's a tough one. They've won a Super Bowl. Uh, uh, yeah, but Wentz wasn't there. They've, they've accomplished a um, lot with a lot of guys injured. Yeah, but Wentz wasn't well, there. Well, Wentz was the MVP hurt. that year until he got hurt. He won. Well, they were, they were he, like, didn't take him, he didn't take him to the Super Bowl yeah, okay. um, and win a Super Bowl. I, so I will say no. Hmm, I think Okay, it's close. Harbaugh and Jackson in Baltimore. Uh, I think right now that's a co- better yeah. combo than what the Vikings that, and Packers have. Uh, it's a much da- much more dangerous offense. We're yes. talking about the MVP. Uh, Tomlin and Big Ben in Pittsburgh. No. Hmm. Better resume, but are they better now? That's that's you know it's again it's borderline. And McVay John surgery on that one. Yeah, McVay and Goff. They've been uh, to a Super Bowl in the last I, two years. I will, I will say yes. They had yeah. uh, a downturn last year. They're they're still pretty good. So it just feels like with the Packers and Vikings, it's great to have Aaron Rodgers coming back. It's not bad to have Kirk Cousins coming back, but um, it, it just feels like uh, you didn't include Tampa Bay and Brady. I should have. I should have. Indians and Brady, and they, I think they're about. I think they're better too. I think that's a better combo right now. So, I mean, it's just at least five of these are better combos, and it matters even more in a COVID-19 year if you have head coach and quarterback in tandem, proven, recently proven, uh, if you're going to be missing a lot of potential practice and workout time. And uh, that just goes by Ben Lieber and, you know, and others who obviously consider that head coach-quarterback combo so important. 
heading into 2020. And let's just and let's say this. I think LaFleur and Rodgers, are they in a better place together than they were before the draft since the I end of last so. season? I don't think so. <laughs> no. Especially psychologically. Uh, there, there's some crazy stuff yeah. that could, could really derail what they want to do. Now, another thing I want to sink my teeth into, and we probably won't get, it, get to it until 5 o'clock, and maybe with Matt Zimmer during his time starting at about 425, is this notion, Mike Florio said this on Paul Allen's show today, and... I, I've heard others say this, including Bart Winkler, our Packer pal in Milwaukee on Friday after the Jordan Love draft, that, hey, this is the, pa- the Packers just firing up Aaron Rodgers. Look what it did to Tom Brady, who hadn't won a Super Bowl in a decade. They draft Jimmy Garoppolo, and that same year they win the Super Bowl. And then two years later, they win the Super Bowl. Brady's the MVP, career revival, first Super Bowls in a decade, and Brady was pushed by the Garoppolo Drafting. It's an interesting theory. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, and uh, we'll see how we feel about it. Uh, you know, probably, probably in an hour. Most definitely at, at about five o'clock. Um, so, just uh, good topics on the Packers. I just feel again, the Vikings were going back to the Bud uh, Grant days of hang in there, let the other teams in that NFC North fall apart, and I, I feel like the Packers are um, l- much like the Bears, twelve and four two years ago. Vegas gave the Bears eight wins the next year off of a twelve and four division title. They didn't think that was for real. On a on a week schedule with Trubisky and Nagy, and it wasn't. They were right. We'll see if they're right about the Packers um, taking a stumble. Meanwhile, uh, we'll have Mike Heineman here in in less than ten minutes, and we'll all converse about handshakes, the Pistons, Isaiah Thomas, that rivalry with the Bulls. We have a poll question at KWSN Sports. Uh, what how you feel about the Bulls Pistons handshake? non-handshake walk-off that has become the buzz of the sports world the last 24 to 48 hours. Quick note, the Sioux Falls Stampede have hired a new head coach, and we'll talk to the managing owner who, who made the decision, Brian Schoenburn, at 4 o'clock. And as you know, in the USHL, in most cases, the head coach is also the general manager. Marty Murray is the guy, Craig. I had never heard of him. Uh, he had worked in North Dakota in the North American Hockey League, six straight winning seasons. He's won Coach of the Year once, general manager of the year a couple of times. What was your reaction when uh, we heard the news at about noon today of the Stampede replacing Scott Owens, who retired with the uh, with the Clark Cup still in the Stampede's possession, and the the replacement was Marty Murray. I thought they were going to go in house with the hire. I thought we maybe one of the two assistant coaches. Uh, they've been in the program for two or three years, but certainly they got a guy who's got a lot more experience and some success. Um, and, and that's apparently where the ownership went with. And I'm looking forward to talking. Um, to Brian about that uh, here coming up uh, at 4 o'clock today. Yeah, um, I, I did some digging, and I did talk to both uh, Brett Skinner and Rylan Galliardi, who were the assistants for Scott Owens, and he said on the day he announced his retirement, right here on KWSN, March 26th, he said he was encouraging the ownership and management to hire uh, Galliardi and Skinner, at the very least interview both of them, They've both confirmed they they were interviewed for the job and that they are interviewing to be assistants on 
Marty Murray's staff. And uh, I, 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 could, I can say this, they both have a lot of respect for Marty Murray. They have certainly heard of the guy, and he does have more head coaching experience than both of them who were young assistants do. But, you know, you always wonder, when you're coming off a title, and you're in a successful organization that's been run well the last few years, and a head coach steps down, you know, do you do you, do you hire from within? I mean, a, a lot of teams do, but I, I think of a couple of examples around here in recent years. Look at University of Sioux Falls football, Craig. They went with you know, Bob Young retires after a great run of almost 20 years. They hire Kalen the Board, never been a head coach. Uh, remind us how that worked out, going from Bob Young to Kalen the Board. Uh, they won more national championships than they <laughs> lost. Games. In games, <laughs> yeah, during his career, yeah, I believe it was sixty-nine and three, the record. And then they go from Kalen DeBoer. They don't hire in-house. They go on the outside to Jed Stugert. And would you classify that as a successful era? The Jed Stugert, the next six or seven years, moving into Division yes. Two. Yes. Yeah. So it can work both ways. It can also not work both ways. You never know. And uh, it's an interesting hire. And we'll hear from Brian Shoburn at uh, about four oh five. Sports talk with Craig and John. A lot of Isaiah Thomas talk the last couple of days. Most of it not painting him in a good light. And here in Sioux Falls, we, we chatted about this yesterday. He is certainly not in the good graces of people in the sports community here. And we'll go down memory lane and hear the story why he swindled the CBA and the Sky Force from the Sky Force's current president, Mike Heineman, next on Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com. Stu Whitney, Pistons fan, on this event and how the Pistons were portrayed on Sunday night in about 20 minutes. Can't hear the show on the radio? No problem. We're always live at KWSN.com and on the free, easy-to-download KWSN mobile app. The KWSN Fan Line, brought to you by Tires, 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 your give-you-more tire and automotive store, with two stores to serve you. Go to Tires3.com. Going for that, that three-peat, for us, emotionally, it was, you know, it, it was draining, but it was also disappointing at that time to lose. And I remember when, when, when we played Boston and, you know, when Boston exited the floor. And I remember, you know, going back in our locker room and we're celebrating and everything else. And, you know, for us, it was okay when, when, when Boston exited. It was okay when, when Larry Bird exited. We, we never... We never looked back and said, oh, they were poor sports. They were bad champions. We were actually grateful of the lessons that they had taught us along the way in terms of how to win. Uh, Isaiah Thomas from that Last Dance Bulls documentary that took a big bite out of that Pistons-Bulls rivalry. Just one of the most hated and heated rivalries in the history of modern sports. John Gaskins with Craig Maddock. 
Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com. Did, did Isaiah's explanation of the Pistons walking off with seven seconds left after getting swept by the Bulls, who denied Detroit their three-peat chance, did that satisfy you uh, after all these years? I know you, like me, thought that was a Bush League thing to do by the uh, bad boys. But uh, did, did that explanation uh, make you see and hear and feel Isaiah Thomas's side any better? Well, it was Bill Lambeer who told us not to uh, go shake hands, and so I'm not. So you know, he didn't. He's, he he blamed it on somebody else. Well, Bill Bill and Lambeer made us do it, but we were still in on it. He he hasn't said sorry about that until the documentary. Right. He, he apparently over he the really last did say sorry either. A lot of blowback. He uh, he apologized to like the great sports legends of Detroit, uh, like Steve Smith, the basketball player, and. Jalen Rose from the Fab Five, and uh, as Jim Rome said earlier today here on KWSN, why you, hey, why don't you apologize to Al Kaline, Barry Sanders, Wayne Fonts? So he, <laughs> uh, he would not apologize to the Bulls. And by the way, B- Bill Lambeer did not back down either for the non-shaking hands to the thing that defined the bad boys in this documentary. This is Bill Ambeer. Do you regret now not shaking their hand? Do you stand by no. that? Why would I regret now today? I don't, I don't care what the media says about them. I never did. If I did, I'd be a basket case, uh, especially back then. Uh, so, you know, I just I was about winning basketball games and winning championships and did whatever I had to do to get the most out of my ability and our team, and we did. We At the end of the day, we're called world champions. Yeah, Bill Ambeer also called the Chicago Bulls a bunch of whiners, and uh, and did and I you know I love him staying true to form. Unlike Isaiah Thomas, who walks back and kind of apologizes once he takes heat for what he said, and, and of course Jordan just came right back in that documentary uh, with the. Isaiah saying, well, the Pistons didn't shake hands. They learned it by watching the Celtics not shake hands when they walked off the floor. And teams just hated each other back then. And Jordan said, oh, wait a second. Um, we shook hands with you each of the two years prior uh, when you guys beat us, especially in Game 7 the year after. So I just asked, because there's been some interesting things that have come out since, like the like the Bulls before it happened. Uh, the day before it happened, Michael Jordan said the Pistons are bad for basketball. And that apparently is what got Bill Lambeer and Isaiah Thomas incensed. And then they walk off the court because of those nasty things that the Bulls were saying about them. Stu Whitney can defend himself as a lifelong Pistons fan in just about uh, 10 minutes here on Craig and John, but 82% of you agree with Craig and I. It's Bush League. No matter what they say, uh, it's Bush League. And uh, it is interesting, Craig, isn't it so Isaiah Thomas to say what he said with a big smile, then apologize, but not completely apologize to the, uh, to the team that beat him? I didn't blame somebody else that that was the actions that they had. Yes. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't my idea to yeah. sh- not shake hands. It was Bill and Beer. Yeah, it's as if this is somewhat of a behavioral pattern for Isaiah Thomas. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and so for more on this, let's go to the Heineman family, which has owned the Sioux Falls Sky Force for over 30 years now. And uh, Mike Heineman is the president of the Sioux Falls Sky Force. He joins us on the Tires, Tires, Tires fan line here on Craig and John. Uh, now, Mike, I, I can't wait to hear your opinions about Isaiah and everything we just talked about. But first of all, uh, just kind of remind us the uh, short Isaiah Thomas connection to the CBA, of which the Sky Force obviously w- were a member. Yeah, well, in 1998, um, Isaiah wanted to buy the entire league. Um, and at that time, my dad, uh, who obviously owned the Sky Force, and then Bill Eilert, who owned the Idaho Stampede, did not want to sell. We, you know, They wanted to be part of Isaiah's league. 
Um, everyone else was pretty excited to be able to get out and, you know, sell, sell their team. Um, but Isaiah said, you know, if you guys want to play, you guys can go ahead and play against each other, but you're not going to play in my league. So, um, my dad and Bill Islet were forced to sell, uh, along with the other owners of the CBA. And then Isaiah owned the CBA for a year and a half until, um, it went into bankruptcy. And then obviously, um, my dad bought the team back out of bankruptcy. So that's our short and long story of our dealings with Isaiah Thomas. Well, Mike, I remember Isaiah coming to Sioux Falls. We had the CBA All-Star game here, and we were all excited. We got a chance to see an NBA champion and a a very popular guy, big-time name, coming to Sioux Falls in Isaiah Thomas. And at that point, we were we were we were almost awestruck uh, having Isaiah yeah. Thomas in Sioux Falls. What was your first experience with Isaiah Thomas? Well, I was still in college when this was going on, so all I was getting was you know secondhand info from my dad, and I know my dad was having a lot of rough dealings with him. Um, you know, obviously, it's it's a lot different behind the scenes when you're, you're dealing to buy an entire league, um, and he, he was a tough guy to deal with for sure. And you know that's. Who knows? That's just how business goes. But uh, um, you know, he was promising big things with the league. I think his his plan was, and I think that's pretty well documented, that he wanted to end up selling it to the NBA for their own minor league basketball uh, league. But uh, the NBA obviously started their own deal, and Isaiah kind of got left out in the cold. And um, I don't think he really wanted to do it anymore. I think he wanted to end up, you know, he wanted to be a coach from then on. So um, you know, we we don't have a lot of. Great, uh, great memories of dealing with Isaiah, but you know that's the way it goes sometimes. So, so would you say he was vindictive and two-faced, or just merely incompetent? <laughs> I don't think I should say either of those, but uh, he definitely was tough to deal with. I, I remember my dad, you know, going through a lot of tough times. He put our family through a lot of, you know, even though it was just a year and a half, it was a it was a tough year and a half. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't want to we didn't want to sell the team. We wanted to keep going with it. And uh, because you never know what's going to happen when it gets out of your hands. And it was still something we loved, obviously. And um, we didn't want it to see it go south. And then buying it out of bankruptcy ended up working out for us. So um, I guess it all worked out in the end. Mike Heineman joining us, president, Sioux Falls Sky Force, son of Greg Heineman, who's been one of the co-owners of the team, kind of managing owner uh, for a lot of their 31 years. It's Craig and John. Fox Sports 98.1 AM 1230 KWSN.com is Isaiah Thomas coming back to life and the public forum brings him back to light in Sioux Falls from 20 years ago. And uh, just... uh, if you could explain, and, and your father turned down an opportunity to do this interview on the air today, he called it old news. Um, so he kind of pawned it off to you. And but you and you said you were in college at the time, uh, getting your degree that that valuable piece of paper from the University of Nebraska. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, obviously, you went to the College of Business Administration, and it has served you well. Uh, the Skyforce <laughs> are doing fine, and they're still here, and they're the only NBA G League team that's not within like a, a few hours driving distance of their. Uh, parent team, and of course the Miami yep. Heat now uh, are, are the you know are own this. Well, they don't own you. They don't own Majority you. Owner. They, they, Majority they, owner. Yeah. So, yep. um, with that being said, can you give us an idea? Uh, if if you don't mind going to a little bit more detail, just how tough Isaiah was to deal with, and how just how t- you said it was rough on your family. How so? Yeah. When Isaiah owned the the CBA and therefore the Sky Force. Well, I would say it was more before, um, just in the dealings, the, the negotiation piece. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, we wanted to stay involved and didn't see a reason why we shouldn't be able to stay involved. And, um, 
you know, we basically, my dad was giving them an ultimatum that either we, you know, go do our own thing with two teams or, or we had to sell it. Neither of those um, options really appealed to us because we still wanted to be involved. And, um, and we knew if we, you know, if we went and played our own league, we only had two teams. So um, those were two not great options. So uh, that put us through, you know, just a lot of tough times because at that point, I mean, the, 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 the Sky Force was really rolling. It was the mid-90s at the time, and we were selling out the arena and winning championships, and um, it was it was, it was was our thing. And to kind of be given an ultimatum that, you know, you can no longer do this um, sucked, I guess, <laughs> just the, the, the easy way to say it. So um, it had an effect on us and, and you know, kind of how we viewed big-time people coming into Sioux Falls. I mean, I think we pride ourselves in doing things right in Sioux Falls just, you know, as a, as a community, and uh, we don't think we need the, the big-time people coming in here telling us what to do and how to do it, and um, that was happening here in this situation, and, and I guess we didn't like it too much. Mike, uh, he had a vision. Isaiah Thomas did have a vision that he wanted less veterans in the league. He wanted more younger players. I mean, it was about a year and a half after he was the owner of the league that he cut the sav- average salary of everybody uh, from about fifteen hundred a year down to eight hundred. But his vision of getting younger players in the league—how do you compare that vision to what the vision of the G League is today? Yeah, I mean, I don't think his vision was wrong as far as getting young players involved. Um, as far as cutting salaries and benefits, that's obviously not ideal. I mean, the NBA right now, that's all they're doing is trying to raise the salary and benefits of, of our players and make it more, you know, a, a better environment for them to play in and to work in. And um, But as far as getting younger, I think that was what we what the NBA wanted. It's what, what the, our league needed. I mean, we were always, you know, held up by old-time vets and um, that maybe – played you know played its course and and we needed to to find a, a new way to be valuable to the nba and um so his vision wasn't wrong he just you know did it the wrong way when you heard him being interviewed with the things he had to say just particularly about the bulls and that rivalry i mean having gone through this personal experience knowing what it put your father through what did you think whenever you were uh, listening to isaiah thomas yeah. i have a tough time feeling bad for him just uh with anything you know and when he's <laughs> complaining about not making the dream team and, and all that. I, I have a tough time feeling bad for him, but, uh, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? It's, you know, as much as I hated the Pistons back in the day, I'm glad they existed because it, it, it did make basketball fun. And, mm. um, you know, I was a Laker fan at the time, so it, it obviously made those rivalries fun to watch, but, uh, yeah, I don't have a lot of, a lot of love for what they did. Anything else? Mike, for- I got, I got uh, one uh, woulda, coulda, shoulda question for you. Yeah. He got offered to be a coach in the NBA, and I think it was was it a year and a half, two years after he was the owner of the CBA. Was yeah. that his? Was that his so-called easy way out of getting out of the trouble of what the CBA um, was going through? I, I guess maybe. Um, I think that was. Yeah, I think he. I think he maybe even said that. You know, he, it gave him a way out and. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just so glad that my dad and the group bought the teams back up and the NBA obviously started their whole deal because, um, minor league basketball is such an important piece of, of the basketball landscape right now. And I would have hate to see it die with, you know, with what he did with the league. And I'm just, I'm so happy it's, you know, still around today and, and thriving the way it is. So, um, 
yeah, it all worked out in the end, I guess. Yeah. Uh, last question. We could certainly do a follow-up interview uh, more about what's going on right now, but of course the NBA is in limbo, therefore the G League is in limbo, but what can you tell us about what's, what, what's ahead? Yeah, well, we're, you know, we're still, like you said, we're, 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 our league is suspended, you know, play right now. I think if the NBA starts up, I think their plan is for us to start up again because they still want to be able to utilize our league. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that's, you know, in Sioux Falls or in, you know, a central location, wherever they're going to do the NBA if that model happens. But, um, I don't think the season is completely gone yet, but, you know, obviously they're just weighing things day to day, but, uh, you know, next year we're just preparing for the unknown. I mean, it's who knows what major sports events are going to look like or minor league sports events and, you know, just what we're going to have to do to keep fans safe and comfortable and coming out. So it's, uh, it's a crazy, crazy, you know, world we're living in and we're, we're hoping. We're hoping we're playing next year, I guess. Well, yeah, well, if the uh, Skyforce and the Heinemans have proven anything, you guys just kind of stay still, stay steady, and uh, everything will be okay. We, uh, it's good to hear your voice again. Thank you for participating in this exercise yeah. today. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Mike Heineman, president yeah. of the Sioux Falls Skyforce. And uh, now, Craig, we'll have, uh, we'll have a few fireworks fly with Stu Whitney. He is a Detroit native and Pistons fan and... Uh, Feels like the bad boys and Isaiah have been portrayed unfairly in this whole thing the last few days. Stu Whitney next on Craig and John, Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com. Follow the show. Respond to the show. Vote in our polls and get the latest sports news on Twitter. Go to Twitter.com slash KWSN Sports.